finally got an interview for the dream job. Um, and after working with him, I got it. And it was simple and it was easy. Yeah, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the journey. Um... Oh, has it helped? Yes, it absolutely has. Um, it's definitely helped in knowing the market a lot better and knowing how to like how to put myself out there like i would never ever have touched my linkedin ever i i didn't see linkedin as a valuable resource at all so in saying that it already has proven to be what i say i think you guys are you guys are great and change change people lives and it makes a lot of difference Um, deliver at a, at a very high level. Um. It was really enjoyable. You learn a lot. Um, it was really easy going step by step. Thank you did? before we ended here. So that was, uh, but I think session five, the, the interview session, uh, if you ask me, was my favorite out of all the other six sessions. So it's not only helped me in my personal um, branding, but it's helped me now on my on the business side um, where I feel very, very capable to, to go into, you know. Super legends, superheroes, and superstars. My name's Dre, and welcome to another episode of the Hot Hire Six and Seven Figure Coaches on Fire. We are absolutely gonna tear it up today. And my next guest, so I'll tell you a little bit about Brett before I um, bring him out. And actually, whoa, 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 before I do that, we are live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and live on LinkedIn. And if you're watching the replay, you know what to do hashtag replay. And there's about a 20 second delay. So if you see me like looking everywhere, um, that's because I've got a couple of screens. So with Brett, he done my um my coach's content creation challenge about a month ago. And part of the commitment was that everybody needed to put in a donation. So over at least $17 to a charity of their choice. And everyone sent me a screenshot. Um, of their charity and we raised uh, over $1,200, which was just awesome. And I remember, so Brett sent me a screenshot. He sent me a couple of um, other screenshots as well. And all I did was just look for, uh, you know, just seeing like a minimum of $17, but he donated a lot more. And then uh, I was on a, I went for a walk to, to grab some dinner. And then um, I got another message from, from Brett and he said, Dre, if you would have asked me to donate a thousand dollars, then I would have donated a thousand dollars. I was like, oh, okay, that's you know, that's really interesting. And I wrote a message back, and then I got another message back that said, if you would have told me to, oh, actually, I would have donated any amount of money because it was my daughter's charity. I was like, oh wow, can you tell me a little bit more about it? But he'd already sent me the like the information, and I'd read it, and it's just incredible. So I want Brett today to share about um, Rhett's syndrome and his daughter Holly and also what he's been up to. So without any further ado, I want to give a big, massive, 
warm, ginormous, gigantic, humongous welcome to Brett Aslo. How are you, legend? Can't hear you. It's hard to hear me. I can't hear you at all. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what's going on. Oh, all right. If anyone is watching the <laughs> broadcast, can you let me know if you can hear me? And I'll sorry, mate. Uh, sorry, mate. Uh, that's the worst April Fool's joke ever, especially for someone. Oh, 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 no, no. <laughs> uh, sorry, mate. That's just. It's got to be April Fool's. I've got like uh, 45 minutes left of April Fool's jokes. Oh, that's you're right. Oh, mate, you got me good. Do you know what? Because something like that happened to me about <laughs> a month ago. And I was like, oh, man, you got me good. Sorry about it. You got me good. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Joke. I could have lasted 30 seconds, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Brent, do you want to tell us um, a little bit about you, about yourself and what you've been up to? Well, thank you for inviting me today, Dre. I really appreciate it, mate. You're... Um, you're a bit of a superstar in the coaching world, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an honor to be here today. So, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, so my life has uh, changed dramatically since my daughter was diagnosed with Rett syndrome, uh, you know, sort of uh, five, six years ago. And uh, life's been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a tumbling roller coaster. Um, you know, when your daughter is, can't walk or talk or communicate, um, life changes you, you know, like, and you go through a lot of pressure, a lot of, you know, issues. And so in the last four years, I've been um, trying to raise money for a cure for her. And uh, Ritz syndrome doesn't allow her to talk or communicate or walk very much. You know, we, we, she can walk assisted and she can you know, babble a few you know, bits and pieces. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough environment. So when I, um, when I met the Wendy Gold out at the research lab at Westmead Children's Hospital, um, I said to her, you know, this is amazing. You know, like to find someone in the city that you were in, to find someone who's working on a cure for your daughter, it was just amazing. It was like, you know, all the stars started to align. And I said to her, you know, um, I'd like to raise some money for you. You know, how much money do you need to get a cure? And she said, $5 million. And I went, all right. Yeah, I'll just get the, the checkbook out the back. So anyway, um, you know, my first goal uh, for the first year was to raise $10,000. And I think we got five or six grand the first year. And then the next yeah. year, I was like, oh, I raised a little money. And I had a my company, uh, a sponsor, you know, they, do a, they have a bit of a charity event. So they... Uh, have a, a, a sort of a fun foundation they do and they gave us 20 grand for the first year I was like wow and then yeah. one of our, our, our vendors at work said oh we've got this charity event we'd love you to join and I thought that'd be great so we joined and they gave me $130,000 the first year and I was like wow. blown away with this and then the next year they gave us 140 grand and it's gone up and up and up and the last four years philanthropic money we've raised five over five hundred thousand dollars in the last four years incredible and then on top of that on top of that philanthropic funding we then applied to get grants from the australian government and we got two grants totaling about eight hundred and something thousand and so we're about 1.4 million dollars in fundraising in four years and we had two people in the lab uh in 2017 we've now got 11 so 11 people in the lab and Whoa. the research is going through the roof and we're going to be going to clinical trials very soon. You know, I can't give a number of a year, but in the yeah. next few years, we'll be clinical trials. So my daughter, Holly, who's eight years old now, she's going to have a cure in her lifetime. How long that is away uh, is, is, is amazing. So, you know, I feel very blessed that I'm in a situation where I can raise money and I've been able to do an amazing job. Complete fluke, obviously. I certainly wasn't uh, born for fundraising, but um, 
that's that's my life at the moment. And it's fundraising, it's working in my full-time job. And then, you know, I've been in the Tony Robbins area uh, for a long time. I've been helping out the crew. And, and uh, yeah. my friend Rani invited me to uh, Richmond's 10-day uh, challenge. Oh, and I joined and I thought, this is the people for me. I want to I want to be in this yeah. in space. And I said to myself, I'm going to do coaching because I love coaching people. And every single cent that I make from coaching is going to go straight to uh, the research. So I know a lot of coaches out there, you know, they want a full-time jobs, but every single cent that I get in from coaching will go straight into uh, the research. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And I've got a lot of, um, a lot of uh, uh, personally, a lot out of the coaching area and just met some amazing people like yourself and uh, yeah. Jay. And you know, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I can't count how many people I've met that are just amazing human beings. So yeah, yeah. That, Whenever that's I see, a quick summary. <laughs> no, I love, I love it. Whenever I see you on the on the calls, like you've always got, you're always smiling. You've got, always got a big smile on your face, and I and I love it. And all right, so can you tell us a little bit about your your coaching, and then we'll talk more about Holly. So you do investment coaching. Yeah, so I work in the investment sector. I used to be a futures trader at UBS, and I worked in IT at all the investment banks, Goldman Sachs, Credit Smith, JP Morgan in London. I worked in New York uh, back in the year two thousand before September 11th. And I've been around the world. I lived in London for 10 years, met, well, met my wife over there. Um, and then I've moved into asset management, which is uh, a little bit like superannuation comes in and then below superannuation is a, an area called asset management where we take the money from super and then we invest it into uh, equity securities and fixed income securities. So I've got like a, a quite a, a good knowledge around, you know, that area. Um, you know, I invested in property a lot myself. Um, you know, I'm doing crypto now with my son. He's 10 years old. He has a crypto portfolio, oh. so he's learning how to trade crypto, and it's very exciting for him and NFTs. And all the money he makes from his crypto portfolio, he invests, well, I say invests, he plays with it with all the gaming that he has. So I'm learning a lot about that. But the trading side of things, trading is trading. It's sort of one asset class, whether it's equities or fixed income or crypto, has the same properties. So I've got some, um, you know, some young people that want to learn about crypto, and I'm teaching them the trading aspects behind it. And uh, what I want to do really is my client, my, my ideal clients are people that have no knowledge around how to invest, you know, and they go, oh, should I invest in property? Should I invest in stock? Should I invest in crypto? And just stepping them through the coaching process of, you know, this is the, these are all the things you can invest in and these are all the pitfalls and all the hurdles you're going to have to jump through and, mm. and, and, just, and going over the risks. The risk management is the key behind it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really um, building my program out. I've had a couple of um, people start with me and they're really enjoying it so far. And I'm not charging huge amounts of money. It's just a small amount of money to get off, you know, get off the ground. Um, but so far it's been pretty successful, successful and, I'm, and, and I'm enjoying it. That's the thing for me, really. So even if I made no money at all, I'm just loving being a coach, you know, and helping people. That's a big thing for me. I love that. Yeah. Cause I remember like reading on your, your Facebook profile that you've got a passion for, for helping people. All yeah. right. So in relation to Holly, like how can we, you know, how can we support and what is next for, I guess the, um, you know, like the funding and like the trials and, and, and everything. Yeah, so fundraising, I mean, we have a website, uh, retresearch.org.au, which I'll chuck in the chat. And we basically, um, we're not really looking uh, for individual people to be sponsoring us too much. Like, that's not what, we're not out there trying to do big events and do that. But if yeah. people want to, you know, chuck a, a few dollars in, that's fine. What we really want to, you know, you know, specialise is looking at the sort of the corporate stuff. So if you've got a business and you... You know, you're in a corporate business and it could be a, you know, a big multinational company or a small company. And if you don't have a charity status and you don't do any charity at that, that company, reach out to me because I'd love to just speak to your CIO or your CEO, CEO and just say to them, look, you know, you made $10 million last year, you made 50 million bucks. 
How about you look at putting up some charity money away? And it might be us and it might be another charity. And you could have three or four charities and we just say, look, you know, here's 10 grand of three charities or 20 grand of three charities. And it's not, it's not a lot of money before tax, you know, after tax, obviously, you know, and, and it's just a great uh, thing to put on your, your website for your, for your business uh, and to promote stuff. And I think it's really important that people, you know, it's not all about making money. It's about supporting causes. So if, you, if you've got a company that, that doesn't have any charity or it does have a charity status, um, give us a buzz because I'd love to have a chat with you and, and speak to the, the business heads or leaders in your company and, and find out. And, and that to me is really the, the power of uh, reaching out to people. Um, I mean, if you want to run the city to surf and you're happy to use us as a sponsorship, that's great as well. But um, yeah, I'd be really keen to, to talk to anyone that has um, a corporate status of charity, which would be pretty cool. Brilliant, yeah, thank you. And, uh, All right. <laughs> Can we take a, a step back? So how did you get into like the trading game? So I know you've been like, all around the world and did you, you know, like, did you finish like college or uni or school and think, all right, I'm going to go and be like a trader, make lots of money. Or was it, you know, did you do something completely different? So um, I left school and I got some really good grades in computer science. I was good with computers, like a program, I got really good mathematics and science and I failed English. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> To get computers, uh, at the time I was now finishing school in 94, and uh, at that time there was no information technology degrees. They didn't come out for a couple of years after that. And um, so I, I was going to, you know, think about what I was going to do. And I went and I said, like, uh, you know, I'm working at a restaurant. I said, what do you do? You know, go become a chef and then you can travel the world. I was like, that sounds like a good idea. And um, I applied to a couple of universities. I was waiting for, you know, waiting for some uh, entries into them. I always didn't have the best grades. And um, so I started the chefing course. And I really loved it, learning about cooking. And it was way before we had Gordon Ramsay's and all the celebrity <laughs> chefs. And I really enjoyed cooking and, and chefing. And, and I did that. And then um, I jumped on a plane to head to Holland uh, in 1997. I was doing judo and I'd won some, you know, some, some pretty, pretty good competitions in Australia or so in New Zealand where I lived. And you know, I was doing really well. And um, I had a friend of mine and I went over, to, over there to train for the Olympics. That was a bit of a dream. I was like, I'll maybe go to the Olympics and for judo and I'll train in Europe for three, two or three years. And so I jumped on a plane and went to Europe and uh, started training over there and ended up in London. And then I was walking down the street one day and there was a job advertising there. So I'll come in and got you know, really good IT skills, which I did. And I walked into this job and they said, oh, we'll, we'll put you down here. And it's called an investment bank. And I was like, what's an investment bank? I don't know. Went in there and the next one, I was at the Credit Suisse First Boston trading floor sitting on their trading floor and I was testing their trading software. So that's how I started my career. And this is back in 1998, I think it was. And um, yeah, the next minute I was you know, testing trading software and then developing it and supporting it over the years. I did that for, for 10 years in the UK. And then I came back to Australia uh, with a bank called UBS, which is a Swiss bank and started um, working on the, you know, working, uh, doing IT still there. And then one day I got invited to join the trading desk and the next minute I was trading futures on the trading desk. So <laughs> really strange uh, career move, but you know, I, I was really good with computers you know, at school. You know, we did a lot, of, a lot of computer programming, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that hard. And then, um, you know, moved into the asset management space, which I absolutely love at the moment. And, yeah. you know, just built my career around, you know, just working hard. I think that today, I think you've got to have two or three degrees. All our graduates are coming out with two or three degrees and, you know, it, it's hard to get in. You know, there's a huge line of people wanting to, Get these careers but back in the day when i was there you know there was sort of you know you could sort of you know wing it a little bit and most of the managers the senior managers that work in our business none of them have degrees you know the older guys that are in, you know they're getting okay. close to and most yeah. of them you know they, they joined the the australian stock exchange floor and they're working on the floor writing tickets or the futures floor and 
And that's how they started their careers. And they're just brokers and they're expert, you know, they're managing directors and heads of businesses or whatever. And and so yeah, I, I don't think you can do that today. I don't think you can go through a career, you know, like that. But um, you know, I, I would have loved to be able to go back and do a PhD in and uh, genomics or you know, uh, you know, anything to do with uh, what I'm doing for Holly now, because I really enjoy that. I love learning about um, how we're going to alter her brain. And I can talk to you about that in a second, how we're actually going to fix Rett syndrome, because I would love to do a PhD in that. I mean, I just, it really, really is such a big passion of mine now. And uh, I'd love to work in the lab. <laughs> you know, that would be my dream job if I could today, you know, trying to find a cure for her. Yeah. Can, yeah, can you walk us through, through that? Because I remember you were telling me about uh, what, what they did was it with the cells and the, the yeah. and I was like that just blows yeah, my mind that sounds so, really futuristic yeah so basically uh, in 1994 they they found the gene that was getting mutated that caused Rett syndrome before 94 there was a man called Dr Rett and he basically found all these mannerisms and the girls sort of have a bit of a hand clasping and they wring their hands and when he saw these girls with their hand wringing he said oh I'm going to, you know, I think this is the, they're all got the same type of uh, attribute. So he called them rec girls. And it wasn't until 1994 that they found the gene. And they said, oh, all these girls that are wringing their hands and they're not walking and they're not talking are these rec girls, which he classified. They started testing them. They said, oh, right, they've got the same mutation of the gene. So at that point, then we were able to pinpoint a gene that was causing the, these problems. He died actually just before that. So he never ever found out what, what the gene was. But uh, fast forward to the year 2000 and the researchers were able to go in and genetically modify in single cell and mutate the gene in a mouse and so then they created a rat mouse they actually mutated this gene and created a mouse that had rat syndrome and then in 2007 they were able to reverse that back so taking the single cell back fixing the gene and turning the mouse back into embryo so not the mouse running around back into embryo and reverse it. So within a very short space of time, they were able to create a mouse that had Ritz syndrome or find the gene, create a mouse that had Ritz syndrome and then fix it in the mouse. Today, which is, you know, 13, 14 years later, you know, we're getting to a situation where we're, we're doing mice studies and where the research is going really well and we're able to look at doing that. Um, but the problem with the mice is that they have a very, very small subset of proteins. And so with the humans, they're you know, very, very complicated and stuff that works in mice doesn't seem to work that well on humans often. So what we've done with the research is we've, um, and I'll, I'll explain how it works, but basically the cure will be this. Uh, my daughter Holly will get the cure, uh, an injection probably in the arm. It'll go through the blood and it will jump across the blood-brain barrier, which is a barrier that stops things coming in. And we're using a virus to get it across the blood-brain barrier. And once it gets into the brain, it's going to run along and find the gene that's causing the problem. And it's going to use a method called CRISPR which is a, a technique that they've only, only recently uh, discovered. And it's going to cut out the piece of DNA and it's going to replace it with a healthy one. And in her, in her brain, every single cell in her brain is going to get replaced with a DNA or a piece of DNA strand out of this gene. And that will hopefully increase her capacity in life and hopefully uh, stop her getting sick. Now, that's cutting-edge science that's never been done before. Um, but the thing is, jumping from mice to humans is the really hard part. So... Last year, with the money that, that I raised, we, we spent $50,000 and we took a little biopsy skin cell from her skin and we sent it to yeah. the US lab and the lab put it next to skin uh, heart, uh, heart cells and it creates other heart cells. It multiplies and creates other heart cells and these cells actually start beating and they figured that out quite a few years ago, five or six years ago, and then they put them next to brain cells and they start multiplying. So the skin cells start multiplying and creating brain cells. So they created my daughter's brain in a lab in the US and they sent it back to us and, and now it sits in a cryogenically frozen lab 
in Westmead Hospital. And now when they do the testing, they take out a little bit of her brain out of the out of the cryogenically frozen tank. They put it in a petri dish and they do the testing on her brain in the lab at Westmead Hospital. I mean, it's just <laughs> that's just blown my mind. And so the testing that yeah. we're seeing, we're seeing about a 20% uptake in the cellular activity. So we know that it's actually working. How much will work when she alters her brain? She might walk a bit more. She might talk a bit more. She might be able to play with her hands a bit more. She might do, you know, a crawl a bit more. We don't know what it will actually do, but it will probably stop her getting more sick. So red girls, they have scoliosis of the spine, the curvature of the spine. They have seizures, breathing difficulties. A lot can't eat and they can't swallow, so they have to be tube fed. Oh, yeah, lots and lots of issues. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that when we do get the cure, it just doesn't allow her, well, it stops her going downhill. It might, may just plateau and she might not get more sick. Um, but the best thing for us is that she might get a bit of an uptake in life. She might say mama or dada or baba, which oh, is what man, she said. Yeah. After the age of six, she said mama, dada and baba, and then Rett syndrome kicked in and stopped her speaking. And so we haven't heard those words for a very long time. But maybe she oh. turns around and says to me in three or four years, dada or mama, which would be yeah, pretty cool, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, that, yeah. that's the cure for us is that she doesn't get sick and that she gets a little bit more on uptake in life. So, yeah. Oh, Beautiful. I love that. That's um, that's really exciting. All right. Just a couple more questions for you in relation to your coaching clients. Um, what have been some of the, like the challenges that you've, that you've seen with them? So the biggest challenge with every coaching is getting people to do things, right? <laughs> you can, <laughs> I, I can read 10 books. I can coach you how to do it. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a book. You're going to learn all the road rules in Australia and you're going to study the test, you're going to pass the test, but you're never going to get in the car and drive. And would you ever drive with that person? Never. You know, it's this thing. It's just uh, everyone reads all these books and they've got all this knowledge and they know that they should have invested in the property market six years ago or 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They should have bought Bitcoin 20 years ago or 10 years ago. They should have bought all this stuff. They should have, should have, should have. Oh, no, it's too expensive. The property market's too expensive. Bitcoin's too expensive. I, you know, I should have done that degree. And they just never do anything. And the action is actually what coaches need to do. And you can talk to every coach in the world about the motivation, the leverage. Okay, if you don't invest today or you don't invest in doing something um, and you actually don't get that action point, um, then you'll never get ahead. So I have a lot of people that I talk to, they're very interested in learning, but uh, the action is the key. So how I want to do it is, you know, I'm going to teach you how to trade equities and how it all works. And then you're going to go away and you're going to set up an account and you, or a crypto account, and you're going to buy some crypto. That's that's what I want you to do. And I'm, I'm not going to say buy this crypto or buy that crypto. You're going to learn how to do it, and then eventually you're going to go and buy something, whether it's an equity or a you know or a thing. And if you if you if you haven't bought a house, the very first step is to go to the bank or a mortgage broker and work out how much money you can borrow. Every single one of my clients I ask, have you actually worked out how much money you can borrow? And they go, oh, the property market's too expensive. I said, no, no. How much money can you borrow from the bank? Have you gone to a mortgage broker? And the first step is to go to the mortgage broker, give them all your details, all your salary, even like, and go, yeah. right, how much money can I borrow? Oh, you can borrow $800,000. All right, now I can look for $800,000 properties. But at the moment, they have no idea. All they know is the property market's too expensive and I can't afford to buy a property. And that's the very first step. So, and it's just stepping them through those processes, you know, go and talk to a mortgage broker, go and talk to your local bank, whatever you want to do, but just do something uh, without without sitting on the fence. <laughs> you know? So uh, that's, that's the biggest challenge for, for me and all the for all the, the clients that I'll ever have is, is just doing that action point, right? Brilliant. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Brett. All right, so two more questions. What's the best way for people to get hold of you? Um, well, we have a Facebook page, which I can uh, yep. share in the link. 
and also our just our website, which has a lot of information about Rett syndrome. Um, and re really, that's the, that's the key is um, just just having a read over it. You know, you got a bit of time, have a read over it. Um, and there's a, there's so many genetic diseases and problems out there. And this is just one of them, right? And where we are, there's girls. It's one in ten thousand girls have Rett syndrome. Um, so it's not rare, rare, like one in a million. I think there's like over 300,000 people have Rett syndrome globally, but there are so many genetic conditions there, you know, that once we solve Rett syndrome, we're gonna be able to solve a lot of other genetic causes. Rett syndrome or SMA might be the first two off the rank, but every time we find the, the genetic problem, we're gonna be able to fix it with genetics, right? In 500 years time, pretty much everything that's genetically, you know, wrong with the body, yeah. we'll be able to fix at some point. So uh, learn about Rett syndrome and then learn about other disease, diseases and other problems because there's so many of them there, you know, and you don't know when it's going to happen to you. You know, like your child could be born and five years down the track, you say, oh, my God, they've got this genetic condition that's going to cause their, their issues in life. So it's nice to learn about it, you know, learn about all these problems. Um, you know, I'll, I'll post it. I'll just post it in the chat room here now. Um, and anyone can come on there. Oh, brilliant. And so the very last question is, so you know that I'm obsessed with dad jokes and I can't believe I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> you got me with the April Fools. I didn't even think that it was April Fools as well. So I've missed, oh man, I've missed something. So um, yes, yeah, so do you have maybe another dad joke? Or, yeah. or so, a, um, we, we, we have a chat channel at work and we have dad jokes every day. So I love it. I've got so many of them, but this is my favorite. This is my favorite one. Right. And uh, you know, so my daughter, my, my daughter came up to me yesterday. This she said, "Dad, Dad, what does sex mean?" I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> you're not old enough yet. You know, you're not old enough." So, so I went into detail and tried to explain to her the whole thing, the birds and the bees, everything. And and then she walked off. And as she walked off, I said, "Um, but why are you interested in learning about the birds and the bees?" And she said, "Well, well, Mummy said to me that dinner's ready, and to be uh, dinner's ready, and I'll be ready in a couple of sex." And I'm like. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I love that one. Brett, I just want to say a massive, huge thank you to you for coming on today, um, sharing everything about Rhett, Holly. Um, absolutely love you to bits, what you're because you're just such a positive, like inspirational, motivational like guy and just what you've like your, you've had an amazing career and what you've accomplished with the fundraising and man just how i love how switched on that you are and um yeah just really appreciate it man so yeah thank you i really appreciate you having me here today and uh you know obviously uh this is my first podcast ever so thank you uh you've uh initiated me into podcasts and i might do some more after this so it's cool yeah thank Definitely. you uh, Dre, you're the best guy i really love uh working with you and uh uh, yeah, we'll catch you on one of the calls later in the week, but uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. So welcome. Thanks, mate.